Anytime you're along with the ride, thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad that it's a Monday and it's time for Cray News with Kay on a Monday. Kay Smythe, how are you? Kay, good to see you. I'm good, Joe. How are you? You're better than good. I'm, I'm living the dream. I eat, I eat too much on Thanksgiving, but, you know, that's that's to be to be expected. Yeah. If I can't eat like 8,000 pounds in one <laughs> sitting and then sleep the rest of the day because of all the tryptophan, then I don't know what the hell else is going on. Now, you're you're you're, you're Welshy, but, um, but you're full swing into the turkey, right? Oh, you yeah. You eat the turkey? Yes. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. We cooked. Well, I didn't cook. I wasn't allowed to cook. Um, really? Most people will probably turn their nose off at this, <laughs> but John, my boyfriend, is the most exceptional chef. He's Boom. very good creative in many ways, but Love like it. kitchen... We don't even go out to eat like at restaurants anymore. There's just no point. It's a waste of money. It's overpriced and he can cook something better at home. I do comfort food well so I can like and I grow a lot of the vegetables that yes. we consume. So there is a balance there. Sounds very hippy dippy and it is, but we're Republicans. So, you know, love us. Anyway. No, it's all good. We, we, we do love you. And you're also conservative and you've got values and you believe in the same sort of beliefs that I believe. And many of those who are watching and listening, and this is a big segue to get to Ireland. Now, here's why I'm getting to Ireland, because it's blowing my mind. Ireland is 96 or 97 percent white. That's just what it is. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is a thing. 96, 97% white, yet the leader of Ireland spent probably 15 minutes the other day talking about how horrible it was that most of the leaders in Ireland are white. And then there was somebody else who's a, some sort of a leader who is not white. I think he's, he's more uh, Middle Eastern, going on and on and on about this person, white, that person, white. He kept on saying white like it was a pejorative. Okay, did I miss something? Did something happen in the UK? Now, Ireland's not the UK. Northern Ireland is. But did something happen in that region of the world? where it's predominantly white, where they started hating their own skin tone? What's going on? I don't know. It's the same. I try. Have you, you know seen this? Like, I've seen a lot of it, and um, I love Ireland. have a lot of friends there. spent a lot of my formative years far too drunk, underaged in Ireland. Um, <laughs> hate nice. to be a stereotype, but it's the truth. Um, I tend to avoid all race conversations, right? Because, like, what do I know? I'm a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, yeah, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white chick. Yes. Um, you know, I would defer to my manager who's black. I would refer to my uh, employer who's uh, Indian, I believe. Right. Um, you know, there's like there's so many, you know, like, what do I know? But right. I think in this context, what we're not looking at this, I don't think we should be looking at this from like almost like a racial perspective. We have to look at it from the political perspective. Who is coming out with this phraseology? Who is pushing this rhetoric? And what is their end goal? And whenever you see people really in this day and age pushing that hatred, pushing those divisions, all that's leading to is greater societal breakdown. Like, I don't know about yes. you, Joe, but when I was growing up, when I was in primary school, no one cared about the color of each other's skin. It was Nobody. like, oh, yeah, that's my friend Renat. She was born in Iraq. She's Muslim. We celebrate a bunch of her holidays. Eid is my favorite, personally. Great food. It's like, it's almost like a Thanksgiving <laughs> never, type vibe. Never had it, right. Um, okay. Oh, it's the most fun. It's like a way more colorful uh, Thanksgiving in many ways. But um, anyway, so it's like, here's, you know, my friend, like, this is what she does. I don't judge her based on that. I judge her based on the fact that we like all the same music. And here, like my other friends, we all support the same rugby team. I don't care what race they are right. because we were all like raised in the same city. Well, we're okay, all part of a community. It's some sort and, of forced, anyway. it's forced self-loathing. I don't understand. Growing up, I'm older than you, but, but growing up, I, I grew up the same way. One of my best friends was Javen Perez. 
kid from Mexico. Another one of my best friends was Stephen Ritter. Happened to be a Jewish kid. Uh, and I went when it, this blew me away. I went to Stephen Ritter's house and they had a freaking Christmas tree. I'm like, dude, why do you have a Christmas tree? He said, because you guys all have Christmas trees. We wanted yeah. one. What's the big deal? I mean, yeah. And and there was a big laugh. Then we went and we we listened to the like Kiss, the new Kiss album. So I'm I'm confused. Why would listen? People walking the streets can be stupid and racial and anything they want to be. But if you're in government representing the country and you're complaining about 97% of the country, I'm confused. So where I think this comes from, and I sort of watched this right when it started becoming a thing. I was doing academic consulting for years, so getting people through their PhDs. And one of the sort of over-influencing topics that was everywhere, you couldn't move for it in 2015, 16, 17, was critical race theory. And now I didn't have a single PhD candidate that didn't concede that there were significant issues with CRT. It literally is the purpose of it is to make typically in most of the PhDs that I was working with, it was mostly to make uh, black and Hispanic communities and then sub demographics from within sort of like, say, I don't know, like single black mothers feel terrible and to really just like other themselves. And it was normalizing that kind of like almost psychological, that macro sociological behavior. But what's the end game? Why do it? Well, here's the thing. I personally, this is where my conspiracy theories come in. So bear with me. We love them. Come on. The only people funding this kind of research and pushing this back in the day were your sort of like billionaires, your elites, your oligarchs, your WEFs. You can trace the money back and eventually it always ends up in one of probably like a hundred different elite billionaire globalists pockets, right? So we see that happening with the education system. We see that happening like higher education. We see that happening with the political system. We saw that with George Soros, who wrote an article back in like 2007 being like, oh, we should all be like friends with Hamas and accept um, the stuff that they want because we should all be friends. And it's just like, Bro, Hamas would literally string you up from a tree if they wanted to be nice to you on one day of the week. Like, that's a good day for you in their, like, vicinity. Are you freaking serious? So you have people like this who will, like, push in everyone's face this idea that we need to be divided and separated ideologically instead of coming together as the sort of like unique species we are and like learning from each other and respecting and appreciating that. We're easier to control? Is that why? I I think that, no, I think it comes down to depopulation. I think Really? So so you think it's, uh, and you're right, because when you watch the WEF, there are many, many videos out there where people talk about how we need to kill off the herd. Um, So I I don't think that that you're incorrect about that, but then it goes hand in hand with this. Right before we started the interview today, I saw some woman who's in the parliament or whatever in Ireland, and she's going on and on about how we need to take away people's freedoms for the better good or for the greater good. And I'm I'm watching, what are you talking about? And she expands on it. She says, we have to make sure anything critical of anybody's characteristics online should be shut down because although that's a freedom we all enjoy, that freedom should go by the wayside for the greater good. So, Kay, who's deciding what the greater good is in Ireland? Because the people deciding it right now are not, in my opinion, looking out for the greater anything. They're looking yeah, out for the greater control. Yeah, that's that's all that this is. It's just your sort of classic 1984. And listen, this isn't just limited, right? Like, this is one of countless examples. We had a theology professor in England, I think from Cliff College in Derbyshire. 
he was fired because he tweeted something. He's a Christian theology professor at a Methodist Bible college. And he tweeted something that was like, I'm not really, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I don't think it was particularly nice about like gay communities. Is it the kind of thing I would think or feel or say? Absolutely not. But I completely support anyone's right to say anything that they want, so long as they don't act in from any place of violence. Who cares? Right. Like literally who cares? Um, Oh. Anyway, so we've got this guy. He just got fired and is now suing the school. We got a couple of police officers or former Met police officers in the UK. They are now all going to be charged or they've been charged. And I think they've subsequently been sentenced for a meme they shared around a private WhatsApp group chat. It was a meme that could be inferred, I guess, as racist in many ways. It was in a private group chat, and these guys are all getting like criminally charged and. Well, I'm con- I'm confused it. by it. So why exactly is it that anybody would report them if it's in a private WhatsApp? That means somebody who saw that private WhatsApp took the meme, gave it to somebody in authority to be what? Pat on the back? To be pat on the head by the government? Why do you do that? Why do you want to be their pet? I mean, why not revolt a little bit? Why not show a little bit of independence? I, I, I honestly don't know the answer for that, but I do. Because you and I aren't wired that way. We couldn't go, hey, government, you won't believe what Kay said. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's a reason. Like, I was walking through the parking lot at the gym today, and this guy had given us some grief. And I was just like, I didn't want to sound rude about it, but the way he was dressed, I made a joke about how this person probably would have behaved <laughs> during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, boy. And I said some things that will get you, like, canceled on YouTube if I say them. Because it is. <laughs> it's like there are those of us who are like, mm, no, I'm not, like, I'm not going to bow down to the elites. You guys would let us starve if you could. We've seen this a thousand times. This is the normal in history. We've lived in a very, very, very brief epoch of like very like nominal peace globally. And we think everything's safe and wonderful. And we don't realize that Amazon has destroyed the world. TikTok has ruined all of our brains. Social media has made us all hate each other. And the whole time, the globalist elites have gotten so extraordinarily rich that there is literally nothing that they cannot purchase right now. It's crazy. Literally nothing. It is K-Smythe. Go to ksmythe.com. Check out everything she does on the Daily Caller. She's over there on the Newsmax. Comes on here once a week at least. Um, it, what jumps out at me, not that you asked, but when I see some idiot, some white guy in Ireland complaining about how he's white and that the country is white, I immediately knee-jerk to, are you going to go and complain about the Saudi Arabian leadership all being brown <laughs> or about the African leadership in Congo all being black? Are you going to do that or is that okay It's just not okay if you're fair-skinned. And I really think this is some sort of a mental leap that they're making. It's like a mental triathlon to make sure the people, the world knows that although I'm white, I'm not one of the bad whites. You know what I mean? It's very strange to me. Feels a bit race-wary. Yeah, think? I think it's a little bit race-wary. Honestly, that kind of stuff does freak me out. And it was one of the first things I remember I had some very extreme liberal friends come and visit me when I was living in L.A. Um, They're like in with the BBC and like uh, BAFTA winners or whatever now. Um, So, you know, we we didn't go in the same direction politically as the world changed. Let's just put it that way. Right. Um, 
And I said to them, the only thing that really weirded me out when I first moved to America was the fact that it is like kind of segregated out here still in a, like in many ways. There's yeah, like, and that's just like how it is. There's like different communities. A lot of it's based on like skin color and culture. There's also right. a lot of places where that doesn't matter. And I loved it being an immigrant because I just got to get, I got to go and fit in everywhere. So I had right. the best of every world. Um, but I was like, yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's a, it's a little bit segregated. And yeah. my friend said to me, he was just like, sometimes I feel like they keep America like that because it's such an experiment. Like it's the new, one of the newest countries in the world, certainly the newest sort of like global superpower in right. the last, you know, few thousand years. It's absolutely the newest one. Um, it's very easy to look at it as a case study for how to control the rest of the world. And they're not done experimenting here yet. And I think what he was alluding to was like, how easy would it be to sort of set off a bit of a race war? Obviously, we saw that a little bit. Like we saw a lot of that. 2020, the summer of love. That's exactly what was going on. Exactly. I mean, just like, you know, even what happened, like I remember sitting down with a group of black guys and Koreans talking about the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles, where you've got the Korean guys, their dads and their grandfathers, they were all up on the rooftops. With guns. And so for a while, there was like this really, and it took their generation to come together, this sort of, uh, I would say actually a little bit older than me, maybe like the next generation up or whatever, to kind of come together and rebuild those bridges, because that wasn't going to come from any kind of government institution. There wasn't going to be any sort of like renegade politician who stood up and said, hey, guys, all the stuff that you guys are freaked out about, about each other. Yeah, like none of it's true. We can all get along. These people had to come together and do that. And it's never, ever, I mean, it happened in LA, I think, to be honest with you, through the cannabis industry in many ways. Um, I think it came together a lot through sports and entertainment and all right. those sorts of things where there is so much crossover. Most of America doesn't have those industries like on their doorstep. So I don't know what the answer is, but it's not just America and you and I that think that this feels a little bit race baity. Clearly now this is spreading to the rest of the world. No, it's true. And, and I think they think they're getting brownie points or something by complaining about their own complexion and their own background and culture. They're not. They're actually looking like a bunch of weak idiots, and I wish they'd stop it. It's Casemith. Go to Casemith.com. The one story you sent me that we're not talking about is eye syphilis. Ew. We're not talking about that. But I don't know why you sent me that. But I do want to talk. We're not talking about it. We're not. The fact that it's called that, I went, what is that? Um, all right, graduating in the recession. Let's do this one. We've got a, a couple of minutes here for this. Um, is there, listen, I went to college, but I'm not all degree-y like you. I was a music major. I went and started playing out when I was 16, and, and music was my life. Then I figured out, hey, look at this voice. Maybe I'll do some, some broadcasting. And I learned how to do the jobs as I got the jobs, became a very good journalist, became a very good talk show, whatever, um, just by work experience, life experience. But a lot of people have been convinced. I'm not talking about you because you're street smart and you're book smart. But a lot of people will only get book smart, and they were told to do that basically by people like Obama. Everybody's got to go to college. Everybody's got to get a degree. And now they're coming out of college in Bidenomics, which is not a good time to come out of college. So what are they facing? Whew, that's a big question. I mean, don't expect to – actually, if you're not in too much debt, you might own a home in the next five years. You'll probably get it, like, super cheap, but it's going to be on foreclosure, and you might end up buying it from, like, one of your best friends who's been made destitute. So might, so it, be a good, might it be a good thing to graduate in the recession? I thought it would be a bad thing. No, no. It's Overall, it's a really terrible thing. And the only reason it's a really terrible thing here in the States is because I think of the 
ridiculous amount of money asked for degrees these days. Also, just want to touch upon the fact that I am so eternally grateful. My cat is now on the desk that you ended up doing your music degree and doing something wonderful <laughs> with your voice because it really does make America a much better place. So I love, I love the cat just shows up anytime. Oh, you know, Wonky's just going to show up when he wants to show up. It's but great. Like, Usually he knows when I'm like on with uh, Laura Trump. So that's, but not today. Not today, sir. Um, exactly right. Now, uh, well, I appreciate you saying that. I'm of the of the generation that it was you can succeed no matter what it is you choose to do. Some people definitely need those degrees. Some people definitely need to go to four or six or eight or twelve years of graduate school, whatever. I get it. And I don't I don't begrudge anybody who wants to do that. But for some reason the Obama generation was Everybody has to, and we should finance it. And if they don't go to school and they don't go to college, they can't succeed in America. That's not true. It's not true, but do you know what that allowed him to do? So Obama took office as the recession was hitting, and then he kept all of the people in place who actually allowed the recession to happen. So these are people who were sort of like institutional financiers, like these uh, Fed, uh, I was going to say a really rude word then, but I won't. But, you know, the, like he didn't change anything. Right. So when he came into office, he tells everyone, go to school, get in huge amounts of debt because you absolutely have to go to school in order to be, you know, to mean anything, to be anyone. That's just how it is. And look, I only went to an undergrad and I got a great cat. Um, let me kick him out. But no, he got everyone into like this. Ex- oh my God. I give up. He's just going to hang out for the rest of the I got show. you. Listen, the cat, the cat loves me and I can't blame the cat. We're actually out of time, but, but we love Wonky and I'm so glad that you came on. Don't ever, ever send me a story like I syphilis again. I don't really? even, I don't want to know. I don't even know. I don't even want to know where it comes from. I don't even want to. I don't know how you get it. I don't care. It's disgusting. But, but, but uh, you're not. It's Case Mike. Go to CaseMike.com. Check her out on Newsmax. All right, I've got your buddy Carl Higby on later on in the week. I'm looking forward to talking to Carl again. Oh, yeah. That was wonderful. Carl, you and Paul are so much fun. But we, we, we do our very best. Kay, I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Always appreciate Kay coming on. Make sure you stop by Rumble tonight, rumble.com slash Joe Pags. I will post the uh, Greg Jarrett and Kay Smythe interviews. Appreciate you stopping by. That's Polo, that's Sam, that's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow night. Have a good one. Bye. This is the Joe Pags Show.